Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bees with Engineers. This is a podcast by the Engineering Dads, where if it looks stupid, but it works, it's not that stupid. On this week's episode, James brings up a heartwarming story of a man receiving an experimental but functional biotic heart and how it served his inspiration for wanting to build an anatomically correct but cheap model to bring in for your next show and tell. I bring up the idea of implanting your keys and wallet into your body, or as jewellery, to make sure you never forget your valuables wherever you go. It does sound convenient, but the boys do raise some interesting questions on the practicality. Paddy then brings up some grievances he recently had with the rollout of the NBN, which I say, get in line. Anyways, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Bees with Engineers. I'm your host, Sean, and I'm joined by my co-host as usual. James, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, I'm doing really well, man. Had a nice little afternoon surf with yourself. Feel nice and revitalized, like I'm back to life. Loving that, loving that. Paddy, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Just a really hectic week with the old work, so I'm... I'm more than keen for a little bit of a cheeky chin wag with the boys and get a beard to get a beer down me to be fair. Well, boys, let's not wait. Let's uh crack those beers. Are you guys ready? Yeah. 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 One, two, three. Ah, refreshing. That's How beautiful. Good. Perfect way to start the afternoon. Well, let's get stuck straight into it. Uh, James, have you got a bit of news for us or news or a pitch? Uh, yeah, like I've got a really exciting story that I read up on um, yesterday. And then like it tied in with one of my project ideas. I was really, really excited to share it. So um, hopefully it doesn't take up too much time because a lot of information backmarking it and it'll probably open up some discussion for you guys. But um, basically the other day, I think it was Monday at North Carolina, there was a 39-year-old guy who had um, coronary artery disease and he went into hospital with like severe chest pains and whatnot and they found he had late-stage heart failure. So they were like, oh, you need some bypass surgery. Mm. So they went into bypass surgery and then obviously like woke him up a bit after and like, look, sorry, the surgery didn't work. Like, you're going to die. We can't do anything. And the guy was like, sorry, the fuck? Like, what do you mean you guys can't do anything? And I think um, after a bit of research and whatnot and his wife was a cardio like a vascular nurse or something. So she kind of knew a bit on the topic. Anyway, so it turns out that the Duke Center in which surgery was undertaken is connected to CMAC, one of the universities, who are currently doing a study on an artificial heart. So this is called the total artificial heart, and it hadn't been transplanted to anyone yet. So they were like, this just got approved by the FDA. Do you want to have like this transplant? He was like, what do you mean do I want to have it like yes I want to live like give me the fucking artificial heart so they did the surgery and this guy is now stable has gone home the very first guy to go home with one of these things and they're monitoring him online from the hospital and it's working really well so uh, one of the big problems they face in the medical industry with heart transplants is it's the hardest organ to get because of DNA and blood matches and whatnot. So you have to wait a long time to get a heart transplant. And usually while you're waiting for it, people die of heart failure and whatnot. Mm. So this is a really, really good way of, you know, closing that bridge and making sure they can get a heart transplant while surviving the interim. So it was amazing just knowing that the first surgery has been done like Mm. that. And his prognosis is good. So normal heart transplants, the prognosis is generally only one year of survival after you get the artificial heart. Okay. With the, with this new heart transplant, it's now up to four years. So this guy's got a lot of hope until he finds a, a, a match. So are you telling me that you're pitching to build artificial hearts? <laughs> no, def- definitely not. It, of course not. A- He's doing livers, obviously. Oh, yeah. That's the one thing you actually we're going to need to replace pretty quickly, that and kidneys. Oh. Oh, I mean... Yeah. Oh. I was going to pitch a bionic eye and then we'll turn Paddy into Mad-Eye Moody when he loses his eye in the surf. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not my fault that people get in my way. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm on the wave, like, you get, you got an eight foot, you got a six-foot guy on an eight-foot wave, trouble's gonna, trouble is bound to happen. Yeah. You're the exception so you board up, so you're on duck yeah. dive. Yeah. But yeah, I, th- I just thought this was an amazing story because how normal... Um, heart artificial hearts work is it's called they're called LVAD devices and all it is is a pump mm-hmm. right but there's a lot of complications with these because one you have to power them so finding an efficient power source is really hard um, you could go like plutonium but who wants <laughs> nuclear radiation going into their heart no. Easter egg to our last podcast me <laughs> another, another issue is um, 
is it, it doesn't actually regulate the blood pressure. So you can get strokes really easily depending on your heart's demand for oxygen. Um, this particular heart transplant, it actually monitors all the electrics in your body and also your blood pressure. And it's got a fluid device on the outside using two different pumps. So rather than actually mimicking the blood flow, it actually mimics your ventricles in your heart. So it works in tandem with what's going on in the external environment and regulates it based on the internal environment as well. So That's cool. it's measuring your blood pressure and going, you need to beat this fast and this hard. And it's also talking to your brain as well. So it's Wait. amazing to know where this can go in the future. Explain that. It talks to your heart. Like this external device talks to your head, sorry. Yeah, so I'll, when I say talks to your head, is it's measuring all the signals, all the electric signals. And it's also measuring your blood pressure at the same time. And it's responding to different sensory um, neuro actions and different feedback loops going into it. So this guy has like a uh, electro... Uh, sensory helmet on most of the time or is it how does it work if it- so he's basically yeah so to, to basically put it into example he's got this bag on the outside with some fluid in it because this thing mm-hmm. operates on air fluid and he's got a bunch of like wires basically hooked up like some sort of an EKG machine getting different signals and whatnot. so um, I think from an edu- educated sort of experience or not experience but knowledge with other conversations where the electrics work from your heart is like around your shoulder yeah through like your vagus nerve down to your heart um so basically he's got like sensory pads there that are doing all the the tough yards and and whatnot so rather than just being a pump that's pumping blood around the body like it's supposed to it's actually mimicking what the ventricles do which is pump blood to the rest of the body and also pump deoxygenated blood to the lungs Mm. That's really interesting. I actually love the idea of that. Uh, just going back onto your the energy source, did you read up how they're powering this? Yeah, so they're using, um, I think it's just rechargeable batteries that need to be, so you swap it out and put a new one in, and the other one takes about four hours to charge. So I didn't see the exact battery they're using for it, but I'm assuming something that's taking four hours to charge is pretty heavy because imagine like when you go to sleep, for example, that thing needs to last throughout the whole night. Yeah. What would the closest like visual representation of the battery be? Because I'm thinking of like a car battery for some reason. That's yeah, what's I'm, coming I'm to my mind. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking back to Iron Man 1 where the guy, yeah, Tony Stark is like, the arc reactor and he's walking around there. Like no disrespect to the guy that's got this, but it, it sounds like it's quite a heavy and bulky. And also thing. for some reason, I'm thinking of the movie Repo Man. Repo Man, huh? because it's set in like a dystopian society where like the, the, the hospitals and doctors... I like they employ repo men for people that cannot pay for the hospital bills or the organs or the things that they have implanted in them. So it could be like, oh, I need a new liver, a new kidney, a new heart. So and if you can't pay, the repo man come and they t- and they cut it out of you and they t- and they take it back to the hospital. Oh my! God. Yeah, I, I'm actually I'm actually not sure. So from not the, the article, not the best movie. <laughs> Yeah, entertaining. Look into entertaining. That, to watch that. But from the article, it says the recipient has to carry around a nine pound, which is four kilo bag, that consists of a controller and two chargeable battery packs that work for approximately four hours before requiring recharging. So it's a bit of um backlash there. So yeah, I think it's um four hours swap over. So I don't know how it'll work while he's asleep, unless you have to just wake up and change it. I mean, obviously he's staying alive, so that's um. It sounds good. Thing if it's him. rechargeable batteries, it's likely that. You can have a system that runs both off mains power, like you can be plugged in, as well as battery. So it sounds like uh, like a mobile phone, right? You can work, use it, you can charge it overnight. Um, I mean, uh, sorry, this sounds awful, but I just ha- hate to be like that person who doesn't charge their phone overnight and wakes up with 1%. Imagine waking up with like 2% left in the batteries and you're like, oh shit, need to plug in. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's an awful, that's an awful thought. <laughs> sorry, I got, I got to retract that. But... Um, what if, he sounds... left his, what if he was on a holiday and left his charger at home? That would be awful. That would be... Yeah. Imagine being on like a 20-hour flight going, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, yeah so I, I think I, that... I, be like that Justin Timberlake movie in time. Just like, oh, shit, I've got two seconds left. Oh, yeah, well, I think the idea of these artificial hearts is, you know, you kind of just have to ride it out. As yeah. At least you're alive until you can get a new heart. Yeah. And then 
So I'm I don't sure, know if you'll be going on a plane. I'm sure that the, the system itself is quite um, smart in the sense of, hey, actually, you've got seven, seven hours left. The reason they probably have two batteries is because the second battery is never used and it's just a backup. And you're just kind of yeah. uh, using the first one as like the main source. And that way that Swapping degrades. UPS, yeah. yeah, and then you can switch in and out without um, ever having like a disturbance in, in energy, I guess. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, that's, it sounds like if it's a four kilo like battery and, the, and this pressurized bag, it sounds like it's going to be a backpack that you could wear on. So it's actually going to be um, more portable than like initially you would you would imagine it to be i think this is actually a pump always yeah yeah i think there's probably they're going to make it as humanly accessible as possible i mean there's no point living if it's going to be such a a chore i guess if there's going to be a hindrance on you there's no point of even having it yeah so a a, a bit of i guess context is like the first heart transplant happened in i think was 1983 and the guy only lived about 112 days after that Mm. Um, recently, some software engineers got together and made a compact heart, like yep. you're describing now, um, that worked, but it only worked for half an hour because they couldn't power it for longer than that. It was too small and um, had too many issues. So, But just knowing that the first surgery has been done to allow mm. this to happen, and the guy's got a promising prognosis, is just it's amazing. You know, We're moving into the future of, of healthcare and medicine, and it's just really awesome. No, that's that's actually amazing to hear that someone's be able to use technology in a way that genuinely genuinely extends your life um, yeah. without too much of a hindrance. So, um, absolute props to whoever got this, and mm-hmm. um, hopefully you're having a happy and uh, long-filled life. Um, yeah. But yes, that, he has that's kids fantastic. as well. So, I hope you know, he, I hope he's somewhere in America family. just cracking a beer right now, just listening to beers with engineers. That's the. Uh, <laughs> Just living the dream. Are you plugging our podcast to <laughs> on this story? <laughs> Love it. Hey, you, 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 you guys made me in charge of the business side of things. I'm trying to get the business out there. <laughs> good man, good man. Works, I guess. Anywho, the whole project pitch or project idea I've had, and that kind of reminded me of it, is so basically like my missus works with with children and you know she's really good at coming up with different activities and whatnot and a big thing they do at the um at the, at the child care center is just like teach them about human body parts and whatnot and show them different like x-ray scans and like try and you know explain to a kid how different body parts work and she's always like you know coming up with these cool ideas and stuff simultaneously i remember back in school when they used to teach us about the heart and circulatory system all they used to do was just show us youtube videos of like 3d models and how these things used to work and the only 3D models of hearts they have out there right now, they use like little bottles and red dye and they kind of seal it with Play-Doh and they just pump it to replicate a heartbeat. Um, so a project idea I've had, and this would be like an educationary tool that you kind of give to kids and to use and whatnot, is to like 3D print what looks like a heart mm-hmm. and then on each end have replication of the ventricles, have blue blood coming in and a dosing point for red blood. So... Like, so you had used food dye, for example. So when the blue blood goes in, red dye's dose and comes out red to show like the oxygenation of the blood. Yeah. And then what you would do is have like a heartbeat sensor. So a fingerprint sensor attached to it with an LED screen. So when you put your finger on the, on the sensor, the pump strokes happen in tandem with your heartbeat. So oh, it's just like, so oh, oh. you'd go to a kid and be like, this is how your heart works. So put your finger on here and it's like, okay, this is what your heart's doing right now. On the LED screen, it's showing what your heart rhythm's doing. And then the pumps are showing what your heartbeat's doing. So blue blood coming in, coming out red. And basically that's how it works. Like I said before, blue goes to the lungs, red goes to the rest of the body. Actually, that's really cool. I'm just concerned that if these kids are like easily excitable and then they got... I don't know, they saw a toy or an animal or something and then they put the, the sensor on and they got their heartbeats quite high. It's just going to start shooting blood across all these other children and just across the room because um, mm. it's just pumping yeah. way too quickly. Well, what I had in my head was you just have two containers, right? Mm. One has the blue dye, one has the red and the other has like the outlet. So you have like this long tube connected to this heart. Um, and they're all going back into the container. So if a lot was splurting out, it would just fill the container up quickly. This sounds like a really good idea as well, because no longer is it just like bottles and Play-Doh, which which would then be uh, destructible testing or destructive um, demonstration. It's 
replicatable. You can send the STL file across the world, so anyone can print this as long as you get the other components like your food dye and containers ready. As well as you could probably expand your scope here. You wouldn't need to just do the heart. You could do other things. You do the kidneys, uh, like absorbing mm. um, different like sol solid liquids through, and only like certain liquids coming out. You could do that quite easily, and you can get it in the actual shape of a liver. And I think the one thing that I always love is if you engage children the right way, if you engage them in learning about a topic which seems kind of boring or difficult, but you make them passionate about it, they will go to the end of the earth to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Like Absolutely. If you get the right person interested at the right time, they that's their career. Like, they'll be so excited about this. Like, yeah. you always do jobs that your parents tell you about that the parents get you excited about. But if you can make something where... And not just this topic where we're talking about like human anatomy, but if we talk about engineering, I guess, or accounting, large, yeah, lawyering, uh, well, not so much accounting and lawyering. They they seem a bit dry to me. But if you get something which is, or maybe because your dad, who is like into this, what the field that you're into, he was like, oh, I don't like that. I don't like those people. Maybe like, but you never know. The, no. the son of a lawyer would be like, oh, I want to do that. No, but I'm just thinking about like young children, getting them excited at a young age about well, certain topics. Well, it's, it's it good be... you mention that because um, I used to actually tutor this this year 11 in chemistry and he hated chemistry. His parents pushed him to do it. He's getting about 10, 20% of his exams and whatnot. And like, can you please tutor our son? And I'm just like, like, why are you doing chemistry if you don't like it? He goes, oh my, like I tell you they do chemistry or physics. My parents are making me do it, which I don't agree with. You know, you should be able to pick your own subjects. But anyway, and... I said, well, what do you like, mate? Like, what are you into? He goes, I don't know, playing footy. And I was like, cool. I had to teach him about how, like, the atom worked and about how Lewis Bonds worked and whatnot. And I was using positions of footy players and saying, you know, like, think of when a scrum happens and doing that in terms of electron attraction and whatnot mm. and trying to relate the two. And he loved it. He ended up going sweet. Like, this actually makes sense. Went from getting 10, 20% to 60% in his final exam, which, like, obviously he wasn't doing amazingly, but at least he was passing and just seeing how you can engage... A, a kid or a high school student just by making it interesting for them yeah is absolutely. really what's driving my passion for this project is you know I'd love to bring it to a child care center or or even like even high school students would love to use it. uni students would love to use this like I don't know what they got they probably got some cool things in medicine um, classes at the moment anyway but just the idea of being able to do something so interactive it's structural and be like instead of showing how a heartbeat works let's see how your heartbeat's working mm, put your finger actually, here and then the pumps yeah. just start going it's generally a really good idea, James. Yeah, I'm liking it, but I'm the only thing that probably might be a bit of a hindrance would be I don't know if there's like a code of practice or things that you can and cannot teach in the in at that age because I don't know if you're because the way I'm kind of picturing it is the LED light. It's attached to like a silicone. I'm probably thinking of something completely different, but like the way that you're describing it is just like this LED light. If you touch it, it will show the way your heart heart is beating. Correct? Oh, or it might. So so not not an LED light, an LED screen. So oh, okay. the thing the fingerprint's just a sensor, and you put the finger the fingerprint on there, and then the LED light just shows your heart rhythm in tandem with what's going on with the artificial or the, sorry the 3D modeled heart. But really good. Um, pick up in question about you know is this legal to do yeah is there a code of practice you got to follow and i don't think there is because like the missus always comes up with these ideas and from like pinterest and shit and she just goes and takes it to the school and like the bosses are just like yeah like if they like it do it sort of thing so, so i don't know i don't know how you get into school actual high schools and whatnot but like looking at the curriculum as long as it's within the curriculum like you're talking about anatomy right that's a broad spectrum. You can talk about a lot of things. And it's also quite a dry topic, generally speaking, because you don't have these tools. If you can provide such an inexpensive and really accessible tool um, going forward to everyone, you're helping so many people get interested about this topic. They might not become doctors or whatnot, but they have a better understanding about the heart works and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm really confident, you know, if, if we were to do something like this, it would get some traction because I've had now seven people ask me, um, who've heard the podcast if like they can show me how the Charizard thing turns out when it's fully done because they want one for themselves because everyone's like I'm so sick of having to feel those things every half hour every hour I'm <laughs> just like brother I'm trying to solve your problem here 
Yeah, mate. First world problems. My humidifier runs out of liquid. That being said, yeah. mine runs out of liquid all the time, so I'm in that boat. I'm not. I'm yeah. not digging anyone. I'm having a yeah. dig it myself. A, <laughs> do you have first world problems? Engineering Daz has yes, you we covered. Do. We're you guys. We're the repo men for this problem. Hundred <laughs> percent. But with the not, uh, sorry, but with the LED light, I was thinking beforehand. It was like for some reason I was thinking it was like you're you're talking about like a silicone. Uh, a silicon sort of like uh, heart or a lung or something. So yeah. it's a bit more of a visual thing. So, but that probably, that's why I was thinking it might run into a bit of tr- trouble, but I think you can still like show them pictures. You just can't show them like actual size or whatever, like, like a physical, like what a physically could look like. Yeah. Well, the problem, the problem, the problem with silicon is, it's really expensive to print, and generic 3D printers won't do it. You need the high-tech stuff. So you probably just print it in, like, PLA or ABS or something, which would be yeah. fine just through a water container. And, like, secondly, in terms of hearts and chain, like, sorry, size and chambers, ex- like, 100% you can show that exact thing. Because I had a bit of a Google before this podcast, and I've seen people who have actually made STLs for actual hearts, and it's been made by people who work in the medical field as well. Mm. So... Because if you go to a cardiologist, for example, they've got a 3D heart. All cardiologists have a 3D heart mm-hmm. in yeah. their um, practice because when you're consulting them, they like to show you what's happening mm, at they, the same time. They need the so visual, they, yeah. That's right. Because I, I used to see a cardiologist and he used to always say to me, oh, this is like your left ventricle. This is what's coming out of it right now. So I think that's where the STL idea would come from. So I'd probably just use one of those and scale it, scale but, it up. But on this screen that you're talking about with the LED and strips, so when you touch it, it'll start. Yeah. It'll show your heartbeat. Would there be like a picture of your heart on it? Because what if there's like, I'm trying to think of like additions to it where it could be like, oh, this is how your lung is going right now. So it's like, it'll show the breath of your lung. No, I think um, when James was talking about the LED, I think what it is, it's more like the fingerprint sensor. So it's those like the sensors you have at hospitals where you put your finger into it and it detects your heartbeat, it's less of an LED light. I think it might have a sensor to be like, a light might turn on saying, yes, we've detected a fingerprint. It's now going to start pumping the heart. Um, just don't want to get too confused. It's not really yeah. the light. That's not its function. It's a sensor more than anything. Okay, well, what's, that's why I was confused. Yeah. What Sean's referring to is called like a pulse oximeter that measures your blood oxygen level. The fingerprint heartbeat sensors, believe it or not, you have one on your phone. It's your camera. So, so there are apps out there right now that you can measure your heartbeat by just putting your, your finger on your um on your camera because it's detecting the amount of light that's going through. So it does use, it emits like infrared light and whatnot to make that um, assessment. Same as the pulse oximeters. The LED screen I'm talking about is, imagine like, remember the Lovebox project pads? Mm-hmm. So using a screen of that size and all that's doing is just showing your heartbeat on there. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, at, it's at more of a time. visual like clue to make sure that the system works more than um, showing the heartbeat. I think the actual heartbeat uh, illustrated, the illustration would be the actual heart beating in tandem with your physical heart to be like, this is how your heart's currently operating. It's pulling in blood, uh, like deoxygenated blood, pumping it full of oxygen, pushing it back mm-hmm. out around your body where it's needed. Mm. I got I got that part. It was just like I wasn't like kind of I, I guess I was just, I was just visualizing guessing correctly. I was just like I was like I was seen in a different way than when you, mm. how you were describing. Because as soon as you say this is what TikTok does to me, it's <laughs> like I someone says LED and I was like I mean think oh it's one of those LED lights oh cool what groovy yeah. And now before before we wrap this up, um, we one thing to keep in mind, Sean, is we know doctors personally, so we could always get them to help us validate the model as well to go, like, hang on, that's not right. Make sure yeah. you have it working this way as well. But um, moving on, I think. Uh, James, do you have anything else to add on that one? No, I've I'm, I'm talked for enough. I can shut up now. I'm <laughs> sick of my voice. No, it's a, um, it's, a, it's a really good project. I thought, I thought this was a James episode. <laughs> not yet mate not yet All that's right. a hydrogen episode All right. um, now that's i'm definitely jumping in on that boy <laughs> anyway uh sean anything from yourself yeah week, so i had one pitch idea that i i wanted to run past you guys um so james how familiar are you with rfid um i haven't like worked with them myself but i, I know how they work patty how familiar are you with rfid the RFA, what? <laughs> RFID, sorry. No idea what that so, is. So RFID is like radio frequency identification. Um, okay. Pretty much 
it's it's a way for technology to communicate with things at moderately close range. So high frequency um, is like within 10 centimeters and then ultra high frequency is like 50 centimeters. And you'd be like, this sounds super silly, but everyone uses RFID quite a lot. Have you ever paid with something using your phone, like using the, the card on your phone or um, use a gym membership? to tap uh, tap your membership in. That is an RFID technology, right? So the, yeah. so Opal like the, cards. So the thing you scan to get onto yeah. something. Okay. And so most of the time these days, we use RFID as like a key, right? So you've got a system that detects something. Um, everyone's got different identification, scans through, moves through. And nowadays, RFID is everywhere. Um, the one that you're probably familiar with is called NFC, which is stands for near near something communications what does nfc stand for i'm trying to remember um what is it again nfc near field communications near field communications of course i should guess that so near field so the idea is rfid is just the overall branching topic nfc is a passive version of rfid so nfc chips are what you would use in your travel cards they're used in your gym membership cards. Um, I don't know, whatever card you have in your wallet that you tap, that uses NFC. And if you get one of these cards and put up to light, you can see inside the card how it works. Effectively, what you get is you'll get a bunch, a few coils of really thin wire going around and then wiring into a very, very small chip. And the way this works is like um, induction cooktops, right? Uh, induction cooktops have a coil of wire that resonate energy and that energy creates a magnetic field. That magnetic field is then picked up by a separate bit of metal, not touching physically, but through the air, creates electric current and then heats up, um, effectively how uh, induction cooktops work. That's the same idea that you can use for your chips. So what it does is NFC, a little device, provides energy out at all times which is like uh imagine when you go to tap your card at the checkout it says please pay now it begins to emit a bit of energy and as your card approaches it that energy is captured by that coil in your card and you need to have a coil generally speaking coils are what's used for um capturing energy from a distance so transformers and induction cooktops and eddy currents and then induction charging all use coils of wire kind of thing Anyways, the energy coming off the scanner activates that coil of wire, provides that energy, and then the chip then begins to turn on. That chip, once it's close enough, then emits a signal back. The chip, the card reader then reads that and then says, yep, this person has just paid. I've acknowledged this communication. This card is valid to, I don't know, Sean or James or Patty. And then that transaction goes across by the bank. Now... I'm thinking of trying to harness RFID or NFC to our advantage. So simply because NFC is just a coil of wire and a chip, you can get NFC in other things. And this isn't, this isn't new. I've seen other people do this. What they do is they melt down their bank card, right? Melt it down in, in acid and pull out that coil and wire that's inside it. And then they take that coil of wire, wrap it around a, like, a ring, and then put the chip back in. So instead of having a credit card, you just have a ring on, right? So you can have a ring for your credit card. You could have a ring for your gym membership. You could have a ring for your Opal card. So you would never forget about it. As long as you had your ring on, you could just tap and pay. And I like this idea of being able to miniaturize like keys and technology. I'm thinking take it a step further. I'm thinking if you can get NFC, there's this tiny little coil, like you can make it smaller and smaller, that little implant and have it inside like your like in between your pointer finger and thumb have it in there that little muscle group because you wouldn't feel it people like dogs get chips in the, the back of the shots you can get a chip here imagine just going to work forgetting your wallet and whatnot being able to tap and go with your hand right and that's that's nfc and you could that means that each time you get one of these implants you have to code it to whatever card that is what if you could then get that so it's RFC, so like a bracelet, where you have a little dial on your bracelet, and by turning it a certain number, you could say, this is my bank card, this is my Opal card, this is my gym membership, and you could just have one bracelet, no wallet, for the rest of the time. 
you could take it swimming, you would take it anywhere that you would go that your wallet or phone couldn't go, and that would be it. That was That's the way you could validate or be identified with technology going forward. I like this idea a lot. Um, it really opens opens it up to like compacting eyes, compactorizing like your wallet and different cards and whatnot you have. I have three sort of concerns though. My first question is, is it possible to like put everything onto a single RFID or NFC? Because obviously like right now you need different cards that have a single purpose. Like they're coded just to read one type of RFID. Like you go to a gym membership that's made specifically for your gym card. Can yeah. you make it so everything's in this one RFID? Yeah. So what you could do is, um, to NFC it's impossible to do that. NFC is one chip, one go because it's incredibly passive. It needs external power to run the chip, and then the chip would then uh, provide communication back. Um, but you can do with uh, RFID. So I keep forgetting these acronyms. There's so many acronyms in the technology. But yeah. um, if your phone already can have so many different cards, it's the same technology. All you need is a coil wire and a command chip that actively um, broadcasts different codes with the same coil so you can pay with three or four different cards. Yeah. yeah. So if you could develop, take that technology, like cannibalize a phone or whatnot or just get that, the components out of it where you could have eight, eight different chips or eight different readings or inputs into this little chip and then customize it by copying it from, I don't know, your bank card into it. So you could then have several different um, devices into one and you just have it turned off normally and then you switch it on to the right one so you don't accidentally pay for something with the wrong card or accidentally yeah. tap and someone scans it kind of thing. I think this would be an idea, like just having a wristband or whatnot where you can take yeah. it into the water I, and it won't get damaged. Because I don't know how I'd feel about having it invasive where you implant it, but what you could do is have, like you said before, like a ring or something even small that's just like attached mm. like maybe a button on like your... Your, your watch or your, your jacket or something and then have like an app to it and then you can select what you want to use via that app so you have full control over like you said not paying with the wrong card for example uh, I mean at that point though you've already got a phone that has that capability you're kind of covering your bases twice you don't need the wristband if your phone can already yeah. do it which it well, that's, can that's true but your phone only has certain things on there like your credit card and I don't know what else like you can't have your gym membership and your work pass on your phone and I think certain ones can. Certain ones can scan codes that you can then broadcast at a later time. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen because like, I've got a lot of NFC tag cards and a lot of RFID cards and I've never yeah. been able to, to do that. But if you can somehow transmit the frequency through something else more compact... Then... Oh, for sure. I mean, if you put any card up to modern phones, I guess, if you put any card which is NFC-enabled to your card, the phone automatically detects it. It says, oh, there's an NFC card right here. I've detected this. It's already scanning for a new card. Um, you can check your Opal balance, like your travel card, just by tapping at the back of your phone these days. Um, I don't think it would be that much harder to get that technology and just make it purely that. Um... I don't know, I like the idea of the, the, the thumb one because if you ever forget your keys on your way home and your door is now um, RFID enabled, you could just tap it against the wall. You would never need your keys ever again. And same for like mm -hmm. a Tesla, it uses NFC. You could just tap your hand on the car or get close to it. The car will open and it would drive itself. Like it, it, it would just be like the key you never forget. Yeah, I'm keen to know. Mm. Oh, sorry, go pads. Well, I got a couple of points on this because I, in the meantime, you guys have been talking. I did a quick Google of the situation, and my first kind of point is because I'm not going to go into the whole uh, the, the the whole scientific aspects and the engineering aspects to this because I don't really know them. I just can't, I I only learnt what the RFID was just you know a couple of minutes ago, but. My fear is I would literally if I had that in me, I would forget it all the time. That's the first thing. I would just say to the point where it's like, oh, shit, because you explain the situation. Oh, I forgot my phone, wallet, keys. What am I going to do? I would honestly be like, well, I guess I, need to go, I guess I need to go back home because I would honestly forget I'll have, I've had it implanted in me. I'm that forgetful of a person. Well, I my mean, second, like, there's yeah. a good example of this, right? So um, modern Teslas, and this is a story that I can relate to dad, right? Um, we went to a Tesla meetup group and we talked to other Tesla owners about funny things that they got used to. So one of the things about that car, right, it doesn't actually have a key. You've got a little black 
NFC card, which you tap on the side of the door, and that way you can give it to, say, someone, um, like a car wash, right? You don't actually have to give them. Every other time, it's on your phone. You want the car to come to you, you press a button on the phone. And you want the car to start heating up at 6 a.m. before you leave for work, you press a button. But um, And so you go to your car, the car unlocks when your phone gets near it, locks the car when your phone leaves. So always keep your phone on you if you're a Tesla driver. Anyways, one of the stories that uh, um, this other driver told me was he was so used to the, the Tesla. Like it took him a week to be like, I don't have keys on me. Oh, wait, I've got a phone. I don't need it. He leaves his wallet in the car because it's, I pay with my phone. Uh, my car key is my phone. Um, I browse social media with my phone kind of thing. And so one time he goes, oh, I'm going to take the wife's golf out, a VTI golf. Like, And so they, they drove in. They go into the car spot. He goes, yep, sweet, babe, let's go. Goes in to have dinner and comes back and sees the lights on and goes, ooh, something's not right here. It's like, oh, someone's trying to like, steal my car. And he gets in the car. The car is running, like still running, like key in the ignition, turned on, still revving at a few thousand revs per minute. It's been doing it for an hour and a half. He forgot that one, the car, um, is a, a normal ICE, internal combustion engine car, so it doesn't actually... Um, you have to manually turn it on and off, unlike Teslas, which is just electric motors. And second, he forgot it completely unlocked himself. The, the point being is this guy, within one month, got used to the Tesla so much that he forgot how to drive a normal car. Um, mm-hmm. I think that if you got used to not needing your house keys, after a while, you're not going to need your house keys. Then, yeah. he, But then he comes my second uh, my second and third point. Uh, my second point is... When you, as you were saying this, I'm immediately thinking about Black Mirror because there is an episode in it about helicopter parenting. And in that episode, basically the mother uh, or a bunch, of, a bunch of parents have done what you have done where they've implanted a chip into, implanted a chip into their children's neck or I think it's the hand. And so they always have tabs on them wherever they go so my a worry would be for me like at least why i wouldn't probably want to get it is because if this little plant if this uh, i would need like a uh a guarantee like a a thousand percent guarantee a, a percentage not even realistic like a hundred percent guarantee that it is unhackable and no that was one, my next question and unhackable because what if you know someone ta- like what if a government finds that and it starts like, so they, they trace me wherever I want if I'm like a real like weak conspiracist guy but I'm not yeah. so I don't really give a shit well, like, what, I, well, what's I, the I, I had a question my question was not going to be what if it gets hacked but my question was also I'm interested to know how you would make it hack preventable yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the, exactly. there's two things thank you for doing that so the two questions one is is it hackable can you track identification whatnot um, no it's going to be too small if you have it like it, this thing's the size of a grain of uh, rice, I guess, to have GPS location, to have heart detection on it, to have all these little things, it's going to need to be a lot bigger. Even though technology is growing, 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 to have something that small and that have that many compa- capabilities, talking about a few thousand, no, oh, I'd say thirty, forty thousand dollars of technology inside each chip, that's very hard to replicate for the average Joe Blow. Probably not going to happen. I mean, that being said, people are naturally going to be like, oh, vaccines are trying to track us. Give me 5G. Like, it, whatever they think, they think that uh, it's this is possible. It's not. It's like when people pull, like, uh, phone SIM cards out of their masks. Like, oh, they're trying to track us. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. That SIM card needs to attach to a battery source, to, a, to all these other components. Very difficult to do. Like... Like radio technology. Have you seen radios get smaller? They're still about the size of your fist. Like you, you need to have really, really advanced technology to have it that capable and that small. So one, it's yeah. not going to have those yeah, capabilities. Yeah, yeah. The second, is it hackable? Well, if you have the implant in your like your that that part of your thumb, I guess it's going to have to be NFC enabled because you don't want to have active power going through it. So it's not going to be running all the time. It only runs when it's near something that can scan it. Radio waves and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it needs yeah. to have a power-enabled, um, like, a, like a pad, right? Like you think of uh, where you tap your Opal card. That energizes the circuit inside the Opal card. The, the card then emits something through the coil, is read by the, uh, the pad. Same for when you tap uh, your MasterCard or Visa 
have it hackable. Yeah, so to hack something that's NFC, right, you need to have um, incredibly close contacts. So it needs to be touching it, and you need to know it's there. How many people are going to check for an NFC chip implanted in my thumb? I mean, everyone's going to check it now that I've mentioned in the podcast, all 50 people that listen to it. But generally speaking, it's not the first <laughs> place you're going to look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but it's, I think that that's the risk, though, because, I mean, even though you can say it's unhackable, but someone out there has said, like, a bunch of other stuff about buildings and boats. Like, when the Titanic first set sail, it was called the unsinkable. The unsinkable. Yeah, it's, but, it's like, but so my my the least that my fear would be that it'd be like a weird Orwellian society situation where everyone can just track me at any time. But I also, I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess what what Sean just explained, like how to mitigate the risk of it, is that argument you're saying now is kind of the same as saying, oh, let's build a building. Oh, but we shouldn't build this building because a plane can crash into the building at any time. It's True. really, really low chance of it of yeah. it happening. Sorry, I didn't didn't mean to, to cut you off, but it's just the the idea that the chip is hackable is a bit silly because it's it's like a key, right? It's like oh, a key you can copy a key. Yeah, you can copy any key. This is no different from it being electronic versus a, a metal key. You just need to know and have the skills to be able to copy that key. If you don't know that key's ever there, you're never going to be able to copy it. Um, yeah, so I don't think it's ha- hackable isn't the correct terminology, I don't think, because one, to hack it, you would need to change it. You need to scan it, change it to something else. Um, but that goes back to my standard point. You need to know it's there. If you don't know it's there, you're never going to be able to check for it, you know? Yeah. Um, my last point is just through quick Googling. There is a very big, I, I, I want to say big, but there's a very small subculture about this uh, microchip implantment sort of uh what you're explaining because one of the earliest people to do it was back in 2005 oh yeah like this this isn't that new but my idea would be to have something that's probably not implanted but a wristband where you have it rfid not nfc active command and have like eight different cards on your wrist at all times and you wouldn't know it just looks like a wristband and then you could like Mm. tap and go and switch a dial (laughs) and then have like eight different it'll need to be a tight wristband yeah, moderately, but if you got this wristband and had no idea what it was, you're never going to be able to uh, go around and start tapping it on cards and gym memberships. <laughs> I can just imagine Sean sitting on the train and the transit comes past with the fucking scanner and goes, do you have an Opal card? And you just go, stick the rude finger up oh and my tap it God. on the fucking yes. NFC tagger. It's like, oh, what the fuck was... Wait, what? Yeah. How did you just, like, hack the machine? I didn't hack anything. I just fucking... No, no, no. Even, even better. Don't even explain. Just say, magic. Walk away. <laughs> Well, magic walk away. I think isn't that a great saying that um, for technology that people don't understand is always considered magic. Like in that, in that yeah. I love that. If you don't understand it, and I think just, half what you guys do is magic. I still, I'm still bewildered all the time. It's like, oh, what mate. the fuck's going on here? If we are, we're just apprentices. Uh, apprentices. We're we're still learning how to to uh, yeah, use it. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing half the time. Right, I any, do it I no, love no, no. It. Here's what's going on. You guys are the sorcerers. I'm the sorcerer's apprentice over here. I'm <laughs> just. I'm like, what's the, what's going on? Uh, good. Hey, stuff. Sean. So, I, I guess as a, as a summary for that, if we take a step back a bit, so those NFC tags you described, in those coils, is it storing data from different readers? For example, so, it's sto- so use a credit card as an example. Inside the coil, is that data for your credit card stored in there in the form of? Really simple data. Work? So it, 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 it saves like one line of code. So you look at, you, like, ever look at your passport, the very bottom line of your passport is like a certain code, it's like um, two letters and then like 18 numbers, whatever. And that's like, your, it's like a security code, right? It's your, the code the bank gives you or a specific code that you get for your company. That's your code. Effectively, each card has a code like this, it's like a serial number. So all it does is scans a serial number. And each letter and number represents certain things. So the first three are usually the name of the person that made the card, like the, the bank, for example. Um, then like the, the branch, the, the identifier, and then the rest is just your personal code. Um, so it's like, like, like the idea of like tap and go is actually quite crazy if you think about it. Because it's like going up to a bank and saying, I'm Jim Jeffries or I am Steve Stevenson. And they go, yep, here's 50 bucks and walking out. Like, that's what tap and go effectively is. It's like, I am this person. Yep, okay, here you go. 
Yeah. There's no sign. There's no validation. Nothing. That's so, so really like it's just a bunch of ones and zeros stored in like. Yeah. The electrical coil. It's not even when yeah. It, it's like eighteen numbers or something. It probably it's probably a bit more complicated than that. But I've got an RFID copy and writer at home. I use it to copy my gym membership and use it with a different card so I wouldn't need to bring my gym card all the time. That's it's mad. attached to my keys. Like, that technology already exists. I just want to make it so it's more accessible or more convenient than it already is. Damn, and what? And an external power source just energizes it and then it recognizes the code that's already been stored in there. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. doesn't need an actual external power source the whole time. So I'm thinking of the credit card right now. That is really yeah, fucking yeah. cool. If anyone's listening to this and you boys do it, get your credit card and shine a light through it and you'll see a coil of like square wires, like six or seven wires yes, and a little yes, chip yes, in yes, there. Yes, yes. And it looks like, have you ever pulled the security tag off? Like um, you go to a shop in something quite expensive and you pull off the security tag and it's got those little metal wires. Yes, I think so. That is what activates. Sort of. That is what is activated when you walk through the security scanners. That coil gets turned on, the the sensors energizing it detect it. So if those people who are like, "Oh my God, vaccines cause cancer and 5G," you should be worried about going to Target or Kmart because those sensors are providing high energy, high frequency energy all times through them. You're literally walking through high energy. I mean, no one's ever got cancer, and no one ever will. Um, actually, I don't want to take I don't want to take absolutes. But if you want to have a an argument, go for that because that's always going to be there. That was damn. But yeah, that's that's my pitch: have uh, NFC and RFID implants either in your hand or like a bracelet where you can have RFID all your cards in one go. And I think that would be. What about a necklace? Again, very possible. Anything's what, possible. Or what about in your shoe? That seems awful if you have a tap and go with your shoe and you stepped in dog poop. <laughs> Hey, look, it's not not my store. <laughs> Same shit, different smell. Anyways, okay, well, that's 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 my pitch. Um, Patty, have you got an idea for us? I don't have an idea. I kind of have a grievance to put to the team. <laughs> Shoot. I'm up to pussy's bow with something, and I need, a, I, need a, I need a rant. I need a vent. This is the opportunity, I, mate. Actually, you know what? It's not my grievance. It's my mother's grievance. Okay. Oh, She's come to me and says, I want you to bring something to the boys' attention because I need help. And she can't rely on me, as usual, so I need help, I need help, boys. Basically, I don't know about you, but I love making phone calls. Open-ended question. Love it, love it. Continue. Thank you, thank you. I'm starting the trend. Um, basically, and uh, we're all well and we're all aware of the MBN, correct? Yeah, the bungled yeah. mess that it is, correct? Exactly. Bungled, me- bungled mess indeed. Hold me back, boys. And we find, like, you know, I don't know if you know, when was this first launch? Like, back in 2005 <coughs> or something? It finally comes into the area in last year. My mum is very much into vintage, vintage stuff. So, a lot of, a lot of the time, like, it's, like, if you walk into my house, you boys have been here. It's pretty retro. The, there's like a lot of weird stuff, you know, phone, there's a lot of like uh, couches and photos and like uh, posters and whatnot. Yeah, Pulp and, Fiction, the, the epitome of vintage. Anyways. Oh, not talking about my room, talking about like the the, the house in general. Come on, mm. bro. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you know, you, you're drawing me off at my point. I do love your house though, Patty. Thank you. I love your house too. Even though I, I wish you painted it red, like just so it would be a bit different to the entire rest of the neighborhood. Okay. Oh, we're off track, boys. Get back on it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, basically, the MBN goes in, and my mum bought these two really cool phones, these rotary telephones, these like old fashioned 60s mm. dial phones, you know, like the ones you would see, you know, like an old movie or something like that. You, your, your parents probably had them back in the day. Yeah. The working before the MBN, yeah. MBN goes in, they no longer work because the MBN primarily, I don't know what like the the stats is or what it actually runs off but for some reason it's like these phones are too old or the technology it's not advanced enough for the mbn to be used that's actually kind of concerning because what that should be is the the phone line should connect straight to um yeah like the mbn shouldn't affect the like the phone lines the phone lines run separately in tandem but separately to uh, internet cables. One of the things I'm really pissed about, I, I, just a quick tangent, um, the NBN, right? Fiber optic cables. That was installed in Canada in the fucking 70s. 
We are behind Canada 50 years ago. I don't understand. Anyways, the idea behind boys, we made Wi-Fi. Boys, James, get your pitchfork. Oh, like, I'm, I, I'm I feel a mob fine. coming on. Yeah. Uh, but um, you're right. The, the cable itself should be separate. There's no reason that it shouldn't be working unless they're replacing the, like, the, the network cables, which sounds outdated because a lot of people use those lines. It's, and another thing that yeah, um, yeah. you should also notice that not notice, but something that you should keep aware of is if power lines go out, the radio lines stay on because if people need to make phone calls, you still can. Um, however, if the power lines go out, they need to power the phone somehow. So the phones themselves, they're enabled to take voltage and current um, from the radio line and power the phone. That way, if you need to call emergency services, even if the power's down, you still can. Nowadays, everyone's got phones, uh, mobile phones and whatnot. That being said, you can actually hack that cable. If you get a the cable for an old phone, cut it apart, there's like uh, probably five or six cables into it, and plug it into a socket, you just need to find the two, one that's ground, one that's power, and you have power even if power outage is going on. You can still power like 5 volt stuff like nothing like small lights and whatnot but you can have power even if the power grid's failed um, but yeah it's very weird that the power the oh, sorry the network cable for your phones has been cut while the NBN's installed because that's the, the radio, that makes no sense yeah, at all the, yeah the actual um, like network cable that you use for your phones um, your plug-in phones they run in tandem and they use different technology. It's standard, just like copper cabling, which is incredibly expensive these days. So if you ever need to make money, just strip out your old phone cables. Um, but yeah, it's it's completely different technology unless they're running the radio cable through the NBN box. But that doesn't sound right. doesn't sound like they've hooked that up correctly. I don't, I don't know. Get I don't know to tell you, man. Like, what, one day it's working completely fine. I'm calling my nan and being like, hey, mm-hmm. we're about to get the NBN installed. Call her back. Oh yeah, I'm calling you on a different phone here. Like, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it doesn't sound like it's it's done correctly because I think maybe not. I mean the M- yeah, it does replace like your normal um like landline networks and whatnot. No, it doesn't. Like it should, it, no, it, well, it, well, it actually does. It it replaces landline networks. Like the NBN actually traditionally replaces landline networks and for the phone internet services. So that's that could be why. I didn't um, think they just so you're actually that. making phone calls over your NBN connection. So it could it could be the reason why. How long ago did they finish installing it? Oh, they they installed it like they they installed it in one day in the entire neighborhood. I think it was because it was probably. Look, I would just June I would July just say to them. I would just say to them, can I just keep my phone to like the existing copper line because that copper line will still be there. It's not disappeared. They've probably just rewired your phone your phone landline to the MBN. You can but you can still get it on the old on the old line. There's still a copper line there. That's what we do for my house. Like we got MBN here in, here in where we live, but um, yeah, we don't run our phone our landline off that. So it's uh, yeah, I would I'd probably raise that and just go, well, fuck, this MBN's not working. Yeah, there might be a way Get to connect on. your rotary phone to the internet and use it like an internet phone. Um, but I'm I'm quite surprised that the NBN has replaced the the phone lines. It might be true. I'm I'm not too up to date with the regulation and duty of. Uh, responsibility of replacement of old phone lines and then installation of new telco services. But I think there's probably a way to keep your rotary phones going. It might just be have a bit of a workaround, but yeah, it's yeah. disappointing they didn't let you know. Uh, this is just one of those things that's like, oh, we're going to upgrade technology here, but we're going to make it harder for you to access. Like, oh, yeah, like I'm supposed to get rid of this. I'm looking at this. The ACCC, right, has says it takes... If you have like a phone service, you have 18 months to switch from phone to internet service. So maybe it does replace it. But that being said, you should still be able to use it with tandem for, with the NBN for at least 18 months. Yeah, because I, I'm just using my mum as an example. But like, what about for people like you know our grandparents or something, or people that don't use the internet on a daily basis but kind of rely on the landline? Yeah. Was that, I mean, they. I, some people say they're stuck in the ways. Others say, you know what, they have a routine. Just let them stick to it. Yeah, and that's that's why that um, like online voting still hasn't really taken hold because a lot of people still prefer in-person or mail voting. And fair enough, that's their prerogative. They're allowed to do it. We can't make changes that affect everyone unless everyone agrees to it. True. Um, 
Yeah, very it's odd. all a government conspiracy. It's the 5G to weed out the old because we don't want them here anymore. It's all government. Fuck me. COVID-19 if, vaccine. If the vaccine gave me 5G, you know how happy I'd be? You know how terrible my internet connection is? I've got two shots of Pfizer and it's not got any better. I yeah. just... Oh, I wish it gave me 5G. God damn it. I wish. But no, like, the, the idea that it gives you 5G services is stupid as well. Again, another thing I want to bring up on... Okay, so... When your phone receives 5G, it comes from a telecommunications tower. You need to see these big towers. And the reason, the big difference between 4G and 5G, it's using a higher frequency of waves. People go, oh, yeah. ultra high frequency, it's going to cause cancer. I mean, unless it's super, super, it's super high. As well. The problem with high frequency, it's like you need, to, you need to be closer to it. It's more intense at closer range, so you can provide more information when you're close to the tower. However, if you want range, you're probably better going 4G or even 3G. Less information, but it's longer. It's a longer range that it can um, cover. Yeah. So the idea that 5G gives you, like vaccines give you 5G, is silly because you need to be able to, you would be like a vector to hold 5G. You would not be able to produce 5G. But that's just I'm pretty sure, idea. like for every four G tower, you need like, uh, sorry, for every one four G tower, you need four five G towers. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about and right. They're a lot smaller as well. Yeah, they're a lot smaller, but you need to have more of them to cover the same range as four G, which is why cities love five G because you can have one on a, a block, and you wouldn't know the difference between that and five yeah. and four G for the range. But in terms of like rural, five G actually isn't that great. You're better using like four E or four Lite or three G even. Like, it, yeah. it's, it's actually terrible uh, for long-range stuff. So, like, the idea that 5G is going to uh, give... Uh, vaccines give you 5G, it's, it's kind of silly. It doesn't, doesn't give you 5G. If anything, you should be able to tap into 5G. And at that point, you can just, like, surf the web and go on TikTok more. I, don't, I see that as a win. <laughs> <laughs> just sums up Sean in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, is there such thing as 6G? Yeah, there would be. There will be one yeah. day. Six G. What, what, what about? What about? I'm just gonna go. What about seven G? Absolutely. The, what the, about eight G? Okay, so I'm just gonna stop it here. So G stands for the generation, so, right? So it's just right, like the yeah. new um, codes, the the new uh, agreement for the frequency to transfer information. You, there's also a thing called Li-Fi. Have you heard of Li-Fi before? Nope. So it's like Wi-Fi, wireless. Um, I don't even know what Wi-Fi stands for. Wireless frequency. Frequency information protocol, maybe. But the idea behind Li-Fi was Wi-Fi works by certain waves moving through your household, and then your phone picks it up and transfers information that way. Li-Fi uses lights to just outside of the visible spectrum, so you can't see it. But if your phone is visible to the Li-Fi and can communicate, it's like two, three gigabytes a second. Like it's so much faster. And this is just the idea of stepping up each generation of technology. So, effectively, you can have 50... You could probably have more wife, like 5G, 6G, 6G. You have more generations of communication than you will Fast and Furious movies. I, I'm going to put yeah. that out there. I reckon you will. Oh, I mean... Like, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure they, they've confirmed the saga to go to 11. I don't eventually, know about that. Eventually, it's going to stop. But the generation for like uh, telecommunications, that's going to keep going. Actually, since we're talking about Fast and Furious, I'm declaring to never watch it until they get a bit more realistic. Okay, so this is actually something I was talking to James about in the surf today. We actually talked about this yeah. today. Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. hit me, yes. <laughs> so what we want to do is, from about four or five onwards, the, the, like, the rules of physics seem to kind of slip away and then die in a hole and then get buried. We would like yes. to watch it Oh uh, maybe God, like yes. a watch party and we're just like stop okay that's not fucking possible or like that runway is going to be like 30 kilometers long i remember everyone had a gripe oh, yeah. about that but uh, oh, yeah just, just, or what about just when you know um paul walker and vin diesel uh fall from a fucking hundred foot i said this building that's like from a cliff <laughs> into water and it's like that water is concrete that's concrete I, yeah it's concrete that is literally this. concrete we said this in the surf today <laughs> like no one is going to survive that it's like there's, there's there's only i think there's like one or two examples of someone surviving and that's because like it's like one of the people like someone it was like a jumper from on the san francisco bridge what's that bridge mm. called the golden gate bridge yeah, and the only bridge, reason yeah. he survived was, was he went penciled and he was wearing work boots or like it's like actual like steel cap boots for some reason mm. and and it's just like the way he fell, it saved him, but he was paralyzed. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. being struck by oh, the lightning. The whole idea, 
that whole idea of if you throw a hammer underneath you and break the surface and you'll survive, that is total garbage. If anyone ever tells you that, do not believe it. Yeah. Do not. The street always wins. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Stronger than family or work boots. You can't. You can't defy. You can't defy the ways. The laws of weight. (laughs) Mass times gravity. Wait, Dom. There's no oxygen. You don't need oxygen when you have family. (laughs) Okay. We're gonna. We're gonna kill. We're gonna kill the the. The Fast and Furious family memes here. I am here. so down for this. We need to we need to pencil this in, boys. Okay. But, um, I think yeah. I think like, the next podcast we're just going to watch one of the movies, all write notes, and then we'll just come back and just be like, he, you, you know, know I, I have a fucking problem with everything. I, I, I wasn't going to watch the night like the F nine or whatever it's called. I I don't know. I don't know who's coming up with these titles, but they have they make no logical sense. I can't but... wait for Fast Ten. Your Furious. The your seatbelts. <laughs> Fear. No, it's gonna be fear, it's gonna be called Furiously Ten, like or something oh, really ridiculous. Fast Ten, your seatbelts. Anyways, okay. Fine, you no. know what? I anyway, I think let's just let's just put a pin in that. There, I think there was some really good ideas in that podcast. Uh, but yes, but, um, uh, I want to say a big thank you to James and Patty, and a big thank you to Sean. Oh, thank you, and a big and a big thank you to my friends, my family, and right, yeah, Dom. Dominic Toretto. Okay. All right, we'll uh, we'll see you on the next one. See you, everybody. See yous. You don't need a podcast when you have family. Oh, Jesus. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast as much as we have had making it. If you like what you hear, please be sure to subscribe to our Engineering Dads YouTube, follow us on Instagram, and like our Facebook. We do build a fair number of the projects that we bring up on the podcasts, and we post them onto our social all the time. Links will be attached. Anyways, thanks for listening. Hope to see you in the next one. Thank you.